There are a lot of benefits that come from practicing your music well, but I'm going to tell you about one of my favorites here in just a moment. Hello and welcome to episode number 19 of the Musician Toolkit. I'm your host, David Lane. It is great to be with you once again. This should be a relatively brief episode, uh, mainly because this is going to be one of two episodes that I do this week. I don't often do more than one episode a week, but Thursday is a rather special day. Uh, I think it'll be obvious once that episode gets here what I'm talking about, but um, I have a guest for that episode. That one will be uh, definitely a little bit longer. So I wanted to go ahead and just make sure I don't miss a Monday getting you out something new. And I realize that it's been a little bit of a while since I had anything to say about practice, which is not only, of course, one of the first few tools of musicianship, but I said in episode one that it might be one of the two or three uh, or maybe even the number one tool as far as what I feel like I have to offer with my own experience as a teacher. So as I said at the beginning, there are a number of benefits that come when you have good, effective practice skills. But one that I noticed about nine years ago finally hit me in the midst of a show that I was doing, and that is the residual effects of practice. This is something so powerful that I, I think if students really understood how powerful and effective this is, I think that might motivate them to practice more than just about anything else. The residual effects, and that is to say what you work on intensely, what you improve, what you conquer, it doesn't just, it. it's not just something like you learn a date in world history class, and then you're trying to remember it 15 years later, and it's gone because you haven't used that date. What you learn in practice, when you come across it again, if you practiced it well the first time, it's going to be much easier the second time. And when you work on it the second time, it's going to be easier the third time. So let me elaborate a little bit how I came upon this. Nine years ago, I was in the midst of rehearsing a show for community theater. I was the music director and pianist. Um, and that, that show is called Next to Normal. And it's known for having at least a fairly difficult piano part. In, in the world of musical theater, it's not, you know, it's probably not even top 10, but it's considered to be not an easy piano part. And um, there was a point in the rehearsal, I, I think I had played it with the cast at least a dozen times. And in the midst of that, my mind started paying attention to what was going on. And I was able to make some observations even while I was playing. And the first thing I noticed was, in spite of pegging this score as something in advance that I was going to have to practice and spend quite a bit of time practicing, at least 90% of the score I could sight read. Of the 10% that I couldn't sight read well and that I actually had to practice, I might have logged an hour total practicing about 9% of it. And uh, of that remaining 1%, that that was where I spent the most time and invested. But again, 9% didn't take much practice and 90% didn't take 
any practice at all other than just me playing it at site in rehearsals. The second thing that I noticed, and I'll keep this in present tense, even though it was nine years ago, because I still think this is true. When I'm playing, I use very little physical movement. My my wrists and my shoulders, and, and again, if you're if this is your first time, I, I am a pianist, so this may apply to your instrument as well. My wrist and shoulder movement um, are exactly what I was teaching in the lessons, and uh, and I wasn't doing much of it. I was doing just enough to play it well. The third thing that I noticed is that when I play, when I'm playing something that that I know well. I know that it looks easy. And as a matter of fact, it feels easy. I teach a lot of adult beginners and adult intermediate students in piano lessons. And there was one adult that was with me for a very long time. And he was a, he was a huge classical music fan. I shouldn't say like past tense. He doesn't study with me anymore. He's still alive. I saw him just last month. He was a huge classical music fan. I mean, I mean, it's not a stretch to say he knew the repertoire and he knew re, uh, classical recordings more than me. There, there wasn't a composer you could throw at him that he didn't know. And he was, he was, he loved to go on YouTube, loved to watch performances, and he just threw out this observation, kind of randomly one time during a lesson, something that he figured out on his own. He goes, you know how when you you look at a high level performer and they just make it look so easy well that's because it is easy and i just thought that was really powerful and not what he you know what he didn't say but what i was able to kind of add to that was it doesn't mean that it was always easy there, there may have been a time where elements like a lot of elements of what they were doing maybe maybe even most of what they're doing was not easy but at some point, because of the residual effects of practice, it became easy. So again, all these observations led to this conclusion. The benefits of ease in playing that show that I was talking about next to normal was the result of intense practice of previous pieces. If you're not struggling with a piece at the moment, then you are missing out on an opportunity for true growth. Uh, this is why, even though I will work with students who want to, you know, especially if they're adult students, they just want they they just want to have some pieces to play. They're not really trying to get a, a lot better. You know, I'm fine with that. But if if a student tells me I want to get better. I'm always talking about you need to be challenging yourself with the music you're playing. You can have some music in there as a break, but you've got to have a piece or two always that that is a little too hard for you right now that you're going to have to work on in order to learn. I mean, it'd be nice if all pieces were someday ones that you could just look at and play on the first attempt. And unless you're an absolute beginner, all of you have pieces like that on some level. You can just look at it and play it. However, unless you experience the struggle of a difficult piece regularly and learn to overcome it, you will not push your level of comfort to more difficult music. The great news is that what you learn on one piece will help you in future. So to reach this goal of a higher level of playing, where it 
so much of what I play looks easy, feels easy. Here's what I did, and here's what I recommend that you do. As far as lists go, this is pretty small. This is just a six-item list. So the very first thing is embrace the struggle of difficult music. It's not a reflection of how little you've accomplished so far. You are not a failure for struggling with music. Each struggle is how you grow. In fact, it's the only way to grow as a musician. The second item that you want to work on is that you need to learn to practice strategically in ways that solve difficulties in efficient ways. Hearing myself said that, it almost sounds like I said inefficient ways. <laughs> Don't make it inefficient. Solve the difficulties in efficient ways. <laughs> Hopefully that makes sense. This includes correct practice of accuracy first, that le then leads to speed, and you're and you're doing that all while you're doing analysis and repetition as needed. Everything you accomplish in learning one piece will likely come in as great experience the next time you come across something similar. The third thing you want to work on is that you need to learn your technique. The better you are at your scales, chords, and arpeggios, the less music will catch you unprepared. Be consistent. The right notes with the right fingerings or right valve combinations or right finger placement, whatever, every single time. Go as slow as you need, but then push for speed once it becomes easy while you maintain your accuracy. The fourth thing you need to do, this is also one of the tools of musicianship that I mentioned quite a bit, you need to keep improving your knowledge of theory. When I play... I know my notes. I don't even think about them. I know my keys on the piano and in just way you want to know all of your instrument combination. I know my key signatures. I don't miss sharps and flats because I remember them and I, and I apply them when I play. I'm also aware of repeated sections and recognizing the patterns of what's happening rhythmically and melodically. And um, and I'm I'm also thinking about the chords as I'm playing. And the more that I know, the better that I play it. So keep improving your knowledge of music theory. Everything you know about music, it seems like you're almost gathering it intuitively as you're looking at the music, the more you know. The fifth thing you can do, here's another tool. Keep practicing your sight reading. Take easier music and work on seeing the music in, uh, ahead of where you're actually playing. You know, a measure ahead, two measures ahead a few beats ahead, whatever it is that you can manage. Um, and, you know, make sure that, you know, if you have a habit of watching your hands while you play, if you play an instrument like piano like that, uh, make sure you're not looking at your hands. Um, sight reading, this is something that I'll mention every now and then. In my opinion, you can get some benefit simply by practicing some old pieces that you either didn't learn well or you've forgotten. It's sight reading that doesn't have to be literally something you've never played for you to get some benefit from the skills that work in sight reading. And the sixth thing that I would recommend, and, and I've found this gets neglected a lot among uh, a lot of teachers. And, and I find that a lot of students experience some anxiety of this, if it doesn't come easy, but, but I think this is really important in musicianship and probably going to have an episode before the end of the year is out to, focus on this one tool 
And that is you need to memorize regularly, even if it's just a few measures here and there. When you're playing from a, from a score, page turns sometimes can demand remembering what's around the corner. So it's helpful to be able to keep playing off the page without making a big struggle of it. And if you're used to memorizing things, you'll find that a measure here and there, just to make it easier to turn a page without struggling, that should be no sweat. So keep doing these six things to experience the residual effects of two, you need to learn to practice strategically solving difficulties in ways that are efficient. Three, really learn your technique. Four, keep improving your knowledge of music theory. Five, improve your sight reading. And six, practice regularly memorizing pieces or passages. And that's going to wrap it up for episode 19. Check back in just three days on Thursday. I have an interview that I'm looking very forward to sharing. It's a special for that day. It's going to come out on Thursday. And that'll be episode 20. And so I just want to remind you, if you've if you've just recently found this podcast, please make sure that you're you're following it uh, wherever you're listening. And uh, if you prefer YouTube, I'm at David Lane Music One on YouTube, and you can subscribe and follow and watch uh, the episodes there. If that's if you prefer that to to a podcast experience, and and what helps this podcast more than anything else is you can do is to please share this episode with at least one person if you got any value out of it at all. I thank you in advance for that. And I look forward to being back with you in just three days with episode 20. See you then.